Hello and welcome to an Hour from Tower podcast, the podcast that brings you the people and personalities of the College of St. Scholastica. I'm here today with the 13th president of the College of St. Scholastica, Dr. Barbara McDonald. Barbara, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure, Nate. It's wonderful to be here with you this afternoon. Yeah, I've got a little guilt uh, trip from people saying you should have been the first one on the podcast, but I'm like, you know, we got it's like a cleanup hitter in baseball. You know, we got to have you come in a little later. We we wet the palate for everybody. Now the heavy hitter comes in here today. So, well, you know what they say, leaders eat last. And that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's at the back of the line. Yeah, oh, that's great. Well, I'm really excited. Again, you know, obviously, you know, I've talked about my newness here. And, you know, we had a chance to get to know each other, I think, through the interview process a bit. But, you know, I, I, I we've never sat down and really had the time. You really have a really interesting background and, and path to us sitting down at this table today, which is really cool. So I want to first start off just talking a little bit about that. You know, talk to me about your path to Scholastica, which is begins in the Middle East. You were born in, right. in, in the Middle East. So yeah, talk a so, bit about... So, so that might sound a little odd that somebody who was born and raised in the Middle East would end up in Minnesota as a as a freshman in college, actually. So um, I, I was raised in the Middle East in Beirut, Lebanon. My, my father was a first-generation college graduate. Um, he and my mother married, and um, and shortly after, you know, my mother was expecting a baby about a year later. And what were they going to do for money, and how are they going to make all ends meet? And so my dad ended up accepting a position, a two-year contract. And as a funny story goes on that one, apparently he and a his pals at the University of Minnesota, just as they were graduating, they were posting jobs on job boards, and they saw this ad, and they actually stole the ad because they wanted that those jobs so badly. They're high-paying jobs, two-year contract, in and out, make some money, maybe come back to the U.S. and you know start a life with a home and so on. But he ended up uh, getting the job, but then staying for thirty-eight years. And oh. so, myself, my siblings, we were all born and raised in Lebanon. Yeah. Um, I, I did have, obviously, really close connections to Minnesota. My mother's from International Falls. My dad's from Winona. And so when we'd come on home leave, we'd always go back to northern Minnesota, uh, Rainy Lake specifically. So I had connections with Minnesota. And, my, and, and as I got older and I was looking at colleges and thinking I wanted to go into the nursing profession, I had a sister who was studying in the Twin Cities, another one who was studying in Zimona, and I thought, hey, I'm going to apply to the College of St. Scholastica and become a nurse. And so I came here as a freshman student, and um, as it turned out, I did not want to be a nurse. <laughs> and actually, it was one of the sisters who who recognized that also in me, and I was I was doing pretty well in literature and English, and she said, you know, I think you might want to change your mind in your major. And I did that and ended up transferring, actually, to the University of Minnesota. Sorry, the University of Colorado, Boulder. And uh, and I say St. Scholastica had a plan for me because I met my husband there. So I guess <laughs> it was all supposed to happen at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, coming back, we'll circle. Um, as we came, we stayed overseas for a number of years after I finished my master's degree, uh, my bachelor's degree at the University of, of Colorado, and then my master's at the American University in Cairo. And we stayed abroad for a number of years after that, came back to Minnesota and um, to northeast Minnesota. So I'm back in the neighborhood of St. Scholastica. Scholastica's in and out of our lives because my boys played soccer, so we we're often here. Yeah. And we had a great connection at the college I was at at the time and the College of St. Scholastica were partners. 
Long story short, um, after serving Minnesota State System for 22 years, this job came up unexpectedly, and um, there were just so many different signs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I decided to apply, and here I am. Yeah. Hey, you know, so you grew up in, in Beirut. In Beirut. Um, mm-hmm. And I, again, I I never want to guess ages, but I'm rewinding the clock to to you probably at that age in Beirut. That was was it a, a pretty uh, tenuous time in Beirut at that time, or not so much? Growing up, obviously not. It was it was considered sort of the Paris of the Middle East okay. in the '60s and '70s, and um, was doing pretty well. But the country was changing yeah. quite a bit, and so towards the you know, the end of my, 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 my high school years, things started getting a little tenuous okay, and yeah. the civil war actually broke out, um, during my senior year. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then prior to that, you, you know, obviously in the sixties and seventies, there were also a lot of conflicts going on. So uh-huh. we were there, we did experience the front of the six day war and we were evacuated, um, from, from Lebanon at that time and ended up going back when things cleared up. But over the years, you know, in this, in, Things did seem to get a little bit more contentious, yeah. at least, and, and Lebanon yeah. was drawn into that. Yeah. In its own conflicts. So the arrowhead of Minnesota um, versus all the places that you've been, right? I, I, you know, I, I guess you you said there was that drawback, you know, again mm-hmm. to to Minnesota always for you, but um, obviously besides Duluth and the College of Saint Scholastica, where's been the most favorite place for you to? Mm-hmm. To, to be and live, where, where well, was that's that? That's really a hard, that's a really tough question, right? Because <laughs> every country has its its beautifulness and its uniqueness. Um, so I don't think I could choose one over the other. Um, we did spend a lot of time in Asia, so 10 years there between the Philippines, China, and um, South Korea. Uh, we spent time in Africa. I think I think South Africa from, a, from just the country is just so diverse and so beautiful. In terms of its landscape and shorelines and so on, mm-hmm. that part was phenomenal. But we were living there under apartheid, which was mm-hmm. really really difficult, mm-hmm. um, both personally and and just to to be part of that mm-hmm. system and have to live through that system. So you know, you had the good, bad, and the ugly. <laughs> you went on. Yeah. But um, in terms of beauty, that's that's a, that's a beautiful country. Yeah. So you started off thinking you would be a nurse and then were talked mm-hmm. out of that and and have held so many different roles within higher ed. Like, again, a college presidency, I would imagine, probably wasn't on your mind oh, when no. you were here. Yeah. Like, when did that start to enter into your realm think, of thought? You know, I always think about what influences you to make decisions in your career and how do you, you know, I, I'm always, I'm a person of faith and belief. And so I always, you know, have that help guide me moving forward and just recognizing opportunities but really it's the mentors and the people around you that recognize something in you that you may not recognize in yourself and they tap you on the shoulder and say hey why don't you go get your doctoral degree or hey i think you'd be a really good candidate for this position Mm -hmm. want to give you this leadership opportunity um and it was through some of those opportunities that i started thinking about you know what are my next steps in administration I have been so fortunate to have the most incredible mentors in my life, and um, and th- and I still stay in touch with them. Mm-hmm. You know who you are, <laughs> and uh, you know they have always been there to provide guidance and advice to me. Um, the presidency sort of it didn't it wasn't something I was necessarily aspiring to, but it was a path that kept 
presenting itself to me in mm-hmm. different ways and, and, prepar- and preparing for something like that, even mm-hmm. if it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. It was something I was really interested in pursuing mm-hmm. in terms of leadership. Sure. And that presidency came at a, a technical college. So, Correct. you know, and, and again, different than here. Talk a bit about, you know, leadership and, and, and the experiences you had at a community and technical college versus a four-year school. I mean, right. are there a lot of similarities? Is it very different? Um, you know, I, I would say there are, there are a lot of things that are the same and there are many things that are different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just starting at the, con- the construct of, of the system I was working in, the Minnesota State College and University system, was really the full array of the technical community and four-year university under one roof. Mm-hmm. So, as colleagues, presidential colleagues in particular, we worked very, very closely together. And so um, certainly there are differences. I think in terms of leading an institution, you know, it's very similar. You know, mm-hmm. the, the landscape might have changed. Um, the structures may ch- maybe cha- may change a bit. But at the end of the day, you're providing that leadership to lead an organization forward. So there's a lot of similarities in that work. Mm-hmm. I would say the differences really lie in, in the work that, you know, what's the purpose and mission of every institution? And, you know, at a four-year university or college, you're preparing the, the four-year undergraduate and graduate student population for professional, you know, degrees and, mm-hmm. and, and um, a different level of workforce, mm-hmm. but they're still going into the workforce. Mm-hmm. You know, at the two-year in community colleges, you're preparing them at community colleges for transfer to that four-year university or for employment, direct employment into the workforce, usually mm-hmm. at a somewhat of a different level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might be a lot more hands-on position, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, technical college, I think the Minnesota um, West, um, uh, where I worked in Southwest Minnesota, was a perfect combination of technical and community college. You had a mix of all the different programs. So mm-hmm. it was a really a lot of fun, just as this job is, as you interact with you know, those constituents that you serve, the businesses and industries out there, what do you need? How can mm-hmm. we help you? Mm-hmm. You know, what programs of study do we have, whether mm-hmm. it's at the doctoral level and there's and there's practitioners mm-hmm. or PAs that are needed in the field, mm-hmm. or if it's the entry-level worker, the welder at a technical college, mm-hmm. for example, graduating to serve mm-hmm. in that profession. Mm-hmm. Our workforce needs all levels, and so it's been a joy to be able to intersect with such a diverse Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, constituency, really. Yeah. Well, you know, it is a cool title to have, right? President, right? There's only so many presidents in the world. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but you know, you've, you've been a president now at a few different institutions. And talk a bit about that presidency role and how it's stayed the same and how it's changed. I mean, you alone here at St. Glasgow entered at a time where, you know, we were on the on the doorstep of a pandemic and that okay. hit and just higher ed challenges overall and the headwinds the the industry faces as a whole. Um, Talk a bit about your growth as a president and how the changes have happened over the years. Well, that's a, that's a big question. And I have to really think about that. Um, Essentially is how do you prepare for change? How do you prepare for crisis? How do you prepare for opportunities? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think essentially you you as you as you are a leader and you're president, these are things that you build in your toolbox essentially is how do i how do I lead an institution forward given where we're at and where we want to be going into the future, given the opportunities or given the the crisis we've just been through mm-hmm. so you know how do you prepare for a pandemic? you don't mm-hmm. <laughs> you know you really at the at these at these intersections of opportunity or crisis. 
you really have to lean into the people, the team, and, mm -hmm. and those around you and together make those decisions moving forward. Mm -hmm. I think it's it's about creating that opportunity to engage people in the conversation and to be mindful of the perspectives of all and how where people are at. Um, and so, you know, you got to dig a little deeper sometimes <laughs> when these ha these 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 tragedies happen. I mean, you you can it could be anything from a golden opportunity that might present itself where you are celebrating high on the mountain and and just shouting for joy yeah. about you know things that are happening at the institution, and down to the unexpected, which is a disaster or a crisis that you're going through. We have to dig really, really deep into what is our mission, what are our values, how do we lead forward, how do we collect, you know, collect our strengths and work together to solve for this issue or tragedy, you know, whether it might be a death of a student or an employee been through, unfortunately, a few of those where um, you really had to rely on the compassion and commitment and, and love, if you will. Of the community to get you through those things, so yeah. you know, I have a friend who says we're better together, and I I firmly believe that. Yeah, leadership repertoire. Yeah, I sense that from you from the first time I met you, and again, it's why I really kind of connected with your leadership here, and appreciate being led by you. I, you know, I think um, I I feel like in in roles of higher ed administration, right? I mean, you have it at the the top chair, right? But I. I've been blessed with almost now 15 plus years of being a vice president mm -hmm. on executive teams. I feel always this pressure to get it right, mm -hmm. right? People are looking to you for answers always, and you're expected to have them where there are times where you don't, right? You have to rely on the group and the right. team. Um, I know what that's like at a vice presidential vice presidential level. I only imagine it's more intense at the presidential level. How do you manage that? Because I'm asking maybe even selfishly for me, that always feels this desire to have the answers and get it right the first time. How do you how do you navigate that? Or did you feel that too? I think we always feel that. You know, I think I think everybody wants the answer today mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or the decision today. And um, how do you you know how do you provide that leadership? You have to be careful about about um, believing that you have the right answer as the leader. And so I'm very mindful of the fact that I might see myself as having the right answer, or I might see myself as this is where we need to go. Mm -hmm. But I need to test that. I need to make sure that people believe in that sort of vision as well, because a leader who puts out a vision all by themselves, <laughs> that'll never that'll never happen. Yeah. You know, the vision belongs to the people. Yeah. You know, I love that story of of, um, of John F. Kennedy when he was able to ask um, every single person as they were developing this idea of, of putting a man on the moon. And he asked every, you know, every single person could say, when he asked, what is our mission? Our mission is to put a man on the moon. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. Or a person on the moon, I should mm -hmm. say. Mm -hmm. and it was initially a man. Mm -hmm. um, and so just thinking about that, the way he got there was not to say by himself, I'm going to put a man on the moon, but everybody has to believe that in order for the vision to be realized. So the president's job is to, is to obviously have vision. I'm not going to say the vision, but vision and know where the institution should and could be heading. And then to make sure that that is well supported and vetted by the people who also say, yes, I, that's my idea too. Mm -hmm. You know, the idea of a leader, you know, 
obviously the best leader in the world, um, the people are speaking that vision. Yeah. And whether the leader has to say it or not, the people are pretty invested in that vision moving forward. Now, at a time of crisis and uncertainty, um, that's especially difficult because, you know, it's human nature to just just tell me what I need to do. Just give me the answer. Just tell me. But, you know, are we really growing our people and our institution in a healthy yeah. way if we do that? Yeah. So I think it's really a balance between knowing in your heart, in your mind, in your head mm -hmm. where the institution is going, mm -hmm. can go, can can become. Mm -hmm. And then circling around with the people to say, so what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. This is what I think we can do. Yeah. And we've had some examples in the last couple, three years of, of ways Scholastica has changed and moved forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't just me that was saying these things. Mm -hmm. it, was, it needed to be a collective effort. Yeah. And as you begin your, I think, started now the fourth year that you've been here, it just seems like with COVID, those COVID years just kind of mess everything up. It, they do mess everything up. Yeah. <laughs> I got here in August. We yep. were really, I did a, a set of uh, significant listening sessions across the institution. I don't know if you remember that or not, but spent a number of hours across the entire population just understanding uh, where people are at and, yeah. and um, taking away just this tremendous, marvelous information, yeah. including that, that deep sense of what makes Alaska special, uh -huh. a special place. I think that really helped us. In the pandemic, certainly, yeah. only to have to make that decision in March mm -hmm. <laughs> to go virtual, mm -hmm. and so we were we were what I was saying we were just getting on a roll mm -hmm. when things shifted dramatically, mm -hmm. but in a good way. Um, Scholastica, you know, absolutely, you know, they rose to the occasion. The faculty, staff, and you know, all the employees rose to the occasion and yeah. worked their tails off to make sure that we had continuity of services and classes and mm -hmm. education. So. You know, I was like, this is demonstrating exactly what I heard in the listening sessions, which is, you know, what makes Glasgow special, how committed people are to the mission, and mm -hmm. going to great lengths around our five Benedictine values. This just, it was clear as day to me. Mm -hmm. And although, yes, it was an extremely difficult time because people were thrown into a whole new environment, they had a lot of struggles, and certainly it was difficult for those with young children at home who were... Their kids were also yep. in, in online yep. mode. Um, certainly, our employees that were that did not have family, mm -hmm. you know, to live in isolation and mm -hmm. be separated, mm -hmm. and to be dealing with our our own families with elderly folks, etc. It was mm -hmm. a really difficult time. Yeah. So you know, they say there's there's all different sides of joy and sorrow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll just throw mm -hmm. that out there. But you know, I think the college did a phenomenal job getting through that period. Um, that initial period, and then to continue on, and it, it's been it's been difficult. It's been a struggle mm -hmm. for all of us because, you know, the pandemic isn't over, mm -hmm. and yet we've gotten through it, quote unquote. Right. So, right. You know, what's what's on the other side? Right. And what does that look like? Right. Right. Um, our world shifted. Work work environments have shifted. People's expectations have shifted. Mm -hmm. um, and now it's you know getting back. I think this fall in particular has been a a wonderful example of hospitality or mm -hmm. value of the year, bringing people back and how mm -hmm. you've engaged. Mm -hmm. But we still have a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. So again, mm -hmm. you know, not to not to ask you an unfair question because again, going back to what you were mm -hmm. talking about with you know needs to be the vision of the, the 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 folks together and those kinds of things. But 
for for you personally now coming out and kind of getting our feet back underneath us after COVID and everything that happened and um, again, still relatively new leadership from your perspective, new leaders in other roles like my own and others. When you close your eyes and you vision the future, right? What, what is the future for St. Scholastica? Yeah, what do you that's see? That's a great question. I think, I think that we've spent the last several months really leaning into what are our strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, as beacons in the community, what, what is our work and how do we represent out there? So a couple of key areas, healthcare in particular, mm-hmm. we're really focusing in on what can we do to help? Because as you know, the world got turned upside down. Mm-hmm. So we're already serving, you know, over 60% of our students, 65% of our students are going to some healthcare related field. Right. That's fine. That's good for the status quo. But mm-hmm. now we're in a very different environment where we really need to lean into supporting our healthcare providers with new ways in which we deliver those graduates to them. Mm-hmm. And, and how can we expand and really focus in on that work here that the colleges was founded on, right, frankly. Right. So really looking back to our roots and particularly focusing in on healthcare and healthcare programming. We have phenomenal schools of nursing and, and health sciences. How can they work together to provide that? Yeah. Likewise, we've got the tremendous history of, of undergraduate um, in particular, and this, this theme of liberalized education. So how can we have our arts and letters and science faculty, staff work more closely together Mm-hmm. around best practices. We're very well known for undergraduate research. I can tell you that is a huge piece of what employers are looking for in mm-hmm. terms of graduates. How can we learn from the sciences, how they do that well? How can we implement best practices in liberal arts um, as well? Right. And so leaning in again to some of those traditions that the sisters started so many, I mean, we have a legacy of research scientists in our in our history here. Yeah. The sisters of the Saint Blast yeah. Monastery. Right. We're a former faculty. Yeah. You know how can we capitalize on some of that? Right. Work? And then I think we have great opportunity with a recent merger of our Stender School, mm-hmm. um, which is now the Stender School Leadership um, Business and, and Professional Studies, mm-hmm. to really expand our work in the area of adult. Um, education, professional development, mm-hmm. and in in areas of training for in areas that we're experts in, right. um, and answer that call while at the same time looking at internally at our programs and how how they can also collaborate to best serve. A great example is our new doctoral degree in education, which is really focused on on equity and social justice yep. and diversity, right. while at the same time being applicable to many different fields of of professional fields out there. Right. So, I'll, you know, how do we think about that, that synergy between the schools that can help, you know, create programs that are really needed in the workforce right, right now? Right. So I think, you know, talking about vision is really um, becoming laser focused on what, what are, what we're really good at mm-hmm. and, and how we can advance the things mm-hmm. that we do well. Mm-hmm. And then from a, so from a co-curricular experience, as you know, Nate, mm-hmm. you know, we recently brought, enrollment management and student affairs under one roof, right. we're talking about really excelling that notion of, of the student experience, which is part of our strategic plan, reimagining that experience from first touch to graduation right. and beyond. So, right. you know, yeah. what can we do there in terms of yeah. in terms of our work? So I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity for Scholastica, and it's a very crowded marketplace right. out there, and it will be important for us to really, ex, you know, 
shout, if you will, from the, from the mountaintops, what our vision is and, and how we uh, expect to to transform ourselves as we're going into the future. Yeah, you know, and if it, when you when you you know when you stop, if you rewind and listen to that all, there's a lot there. Um, but you mentioned too, you know, the inspiration behind all of this, which is the sisters. Whenever I think like, oh, wow, that's a lot of work. I always think like, yeah, show up in a buggy, you know, right. you know, 150 years ago, and 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 see a blank hill, and then you know, what you see today, right? right? Um, yeah, it, it it makes you makes you just take a step back and say, stop complaining, because they are an inspiration. It, you know, what 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 they what they saw when it wasn't there, right. <laughs> and and just the grit to make it happen. And it's I think impressive. the other thing I learned very early on in my presidency and talking to to the sisters and particularly to the to the prioress. Um, um, Sister Beverly Rowway was just this idea. Here I am, you know, chattering away around innovation and change, and yeah. she's just looking at me like, yeah. <laughs> "Bet they're done that." Have the T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. We, we, this is our history. <laughs> right. And so it's that's really good to 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 be reminded that the sisters always innovated forward. Mm-hmm. They were they were here to change, not to change, to me to serve the community and change with the community mm-hmm. and. And that has, they have evolved mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. And they have the same expectations of us as, the, as you know, they sponsor the college. But that is their history and legacy. So, yeah. you know, I, to me, that, that's great hope. Yeah. This gives me great inspiration. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's all great. Answer, answer this question. So I'll just say it's a, kind of a unique one I'll put out there. My best days as a college president have these qualities. Oh, wow. Well, first of all, I get to interact with students. Yeah. So that's first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime that I've invited to, um, you know, to visit a classroom or sit down with our student government association leaders, you know, to intersect with students in the hallway, to yeah. go to the phenomenal fine arts performances yeah. we have here yeah. at the college, yeah. those are those are really the best moments. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, interacting with employees. You know, being able to we do such a good job at hospitality, bringing people together in small or larger gatherings mm-hmm. to just um, have conversation. I keep remembering the, the rule, right? You know, you need to have life, a time in your life, daily life for prayer, for work, and for leisure. Mm-hmm. And I think that leisure piece is often forgotten about. Yeah. I mean, spending time with colleagues and friends is important. And if we can do that, we get to know each other just like we're doing today. Right, right, out and right. Be able to connect. Right. So. Right. So those are those are some of the aspects I think that give me great joy. Yeah, that's excellent. I want to change gears a little bit. We've been talking a lot about Scholastica and the presidency, mm-hmm. but you, you mentioned um, the great performances, you know, fine arts performances. We're on the heels of one. This we're yeah. we're recording this the the last week here in November into the first week in December. So we have our Old Holy Night performance, which I'm thrilled about. It's one of the things we share in common: this love for the Christmas season. Yeah. So. Talk a bit about, you know, your passion for Christmas, maybe some favorite Christmas memories that you have. Well, you know, I'll tell you one as a kid, and and it might sound really dismal, but it's the truth. My Mm -hmm. my father um, believed very much in that, you know, Christmas was about, you know, the celebration of the birth of Christ. And so we had this great Christmas tree, and we had underneath it this, they had built sort of a, out of, I think, some sort of paper we had a little uh, like hillside yeah. with a crash underneath there, yeah, and yeah. that was like the most wonderful sight on earth. Yeah. He he didn't believe in putting any Christmas presents under the tree until okay. Christmas Day. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that anticipation was yep. a bit difficult for yep. all of us, and of course we had to go to church before we opened presents. Yep, yep. yep. <laughs> that was that whole routine. 
but I do feel very strongly about those memories, and that was a really wonderful time. And so, you know, Christmas to me is one of my favorite seasons. So, mm-hmm. as I said this weekend, mm-hmm. Christmas tree is up, <laughs> Christmas music's on, mm-hmm. <laughs> Christmas lights are up. Yeah, yeah. You know, this anticipation of of preparing for you know the holidays, yep. but also just the Advent season, preparing in general. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's it's a wonderful time of reflection. Yeah. Um, and it's a wonderful time to think about how to give back and, yeah. and uh, what we can do to come together as family. But it is one of my kids will tell you. You know, we planned a trip last year. Uh-huh. My husband and I were like, you know what? Let's just go away for Christmas. Yeah. Let's, let's. So in August yep. of 21, we decided that we were going to book a trip to, uh, to Arizona uh-huh. for the Christmas holiday. Uh-huh. And that the closer we got to Christmas... The more I was regretting that decision, <laughs> <laughs> and so finally I just said, "Listen, let's just cancel that trip." I mean, yeah. let's, and we haven't paid anything out yet. Yeah. Let's yeah. just let's just stay home. Yeah. So I I emailed my kids and said, "Guess what? We decided not to go to Arizona. We're going to stay home, and we're going to have Christmas together as a family, as we always do." Yeah. And one of my kids said, "Yeah, we're just waiting for you to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll yeah. be home for Christmas. I'll yeah. be with family." So. On that on that note, are there traditions that you celebrated as a child that you've carried on with your family now? I mean, kids and grandkids now. So I think you know, just it's it's not, it's going to sound pretty normal. I think we we all gather in the morning, Christmas morning, and we open our stockings, uh-huh. and come home, and we'll open the rest of the presents. That's that's kind of been the routine. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we we don't do anything outside of that in terms of some some families do some present present exchange on Christmas Eve. We yeah. never got into that. So yeah. basically it's about being together, listening to music, having fun, and, yeah. you know, having good food. Yeah. We eat a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. I just we just for Thanksgiving holiday, you know, visited family in Wisconsin, so it was a total of twelve hours in the car there and back. And I think I've heard Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas about 7,000 times. Listen yeah. to Sirius XM. Is there a favorite Christmas song that you have? Boy, I don't think I could pick out just one. Yeah. So I'm not sure I could answer that. But I'll tell you, I I I have a huge collection of music. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who remembers CDs. Yeah. Okay, I have a whole <laughs> box full of it devoted to Christmas. <laughs> My husband, David, put all of that on, you know, Online, yeah, so all I yeah. have to do is open up my Apple library. Yep, yep. But I can't throw the CDs out, so they're still sitting in my closet. Yep, so yep. if anybody needs the Christmas CDs, <laughs> I have them. My car doesn't even have a CD player anymore. But, you know, so I have, we have so many different albums. Yeah. And- yeah. yeah, it's hard to pick one. Yeah, it's 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 always for us too. Or then now it's gotten to the point where it's like it's it can't just be a song. It has to be the artist that sings the song. Yeah. Like right, it's all of that as well. Yeah, I have album every year. Yeah, so, yeah. I make it a point to, to, to discover new ones. Yeah, year, so. yeah. My uh, my oldest son is a vinyl he's in the vinyl so you know he goes out and buys all of them too and i'm like i could just pay for the service for what you pay for one of those records but there's just something about having the the record or the cd that you need to have that you need to have um also something too that we share again and this is the fun part about doing this you trip this stuff up is gardening so is it vegetable gardening flower gardening both everything yeah Yeah. so i don't do as much gardening in in the vegetable realm but at one point i had a huge vegetable garden in grand rapids yeah and that both the science behind it yeah. and just 
the the food. I mean, the fun stuff yeah. that you can actually consume it, yeah. too, which is yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm now most well, mostly entirely in garden, you know, flower gardens and perennials and annuals and things like okay. that. So yeah. when we moved to Duluth um, and and bought the house we're living in, um, my <laughs> David. David decided to build me a garden, so and he never does anything on the small scale. So we do have this very large flower bed in front of the house that yeah. I've been adding perennials to in, in every year and yeah. just kind of building up. So yeah. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. He, your husband David, he's a faculty member at Fond du Lac yes. Technical yeah. Community College. So, is, do you ever, I mean, is it nice? I Sometimes I think it would be nice for Melissa, my wife, to understand, like, higher ed and what's going on she's always supportive but is that is there benefits that sometimes you get into conversations outside where like oh i wish i didn't have a small set work in higher ed <laughs> i worked in that that system in the community college system for a long time and, and so really and 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 of course because we spent so much time in northern minnesota um intersected with fond du lac quite a bit yeah. and, and some of the work that we did between the colleges yep. uh so david is working there he, he's done some work with them in the past grant work and, mm -hmm. and other work um and now is um directing their multimedia studies program and, and teaches there so mm -hmm. um it's right up his alley he's yeah. got a significant background in journalism communication yeah, yeah. So. You were saying he lived in a bunker somewhere, right? right? So, yeah. So Dave, David was an international journalist for Reuters. What was became eventually Reuters Television for many years that oh, were wow. abroad, and and was um, bureau chief. We moved to different countries. He'd open up a bureau, train people up, cover the news mm -hmm. and for a couple of years. And as the bureau got established, we'd go on to the mm -hmm. next the next place. Mm -hmm. And um, so we came back to the U.S. and 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 he started his own production company, and then worked in higher ed. As well, and then when I became the president down at, in the Twin Cities at North Hennepin, and um, prior to that, he did a stint uh, in the Peace Corps. Mm -hmm. So he did a stint in the Peace Corps for mm -hmm. 27 months, and about a year and a half, two years later, as when I assumed that presidency, he he decided that he wanted to go back and do humanitarian work, and ended up in South Sudan. Um, as a humanitarian journalist, training community journalists in, mm -hmm. in essentially um, a, a, a camp that was for displaced internal, basically internal refugees in South Sudan, connected with the UN. So yes, he lived in a container across from the bunker. That is crazy. Yeah, they did that work for about two years. Yeah, that's uh, just fascinating. What a story. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, but speaks to again. I, you always see my, I mean, the, the world isn't big enough for the two of you, I don't think, right? I mean, all the different things. Yeah. 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 And a couple of things that we don't necessarily have in common. You have a fear of heights, although you also, like, was a, a snake wrangler at one point, too. Like, I'm the opposite. Like, keep me away from snakes or reptiles, and, and heights are okay, but in northern Minnesota and I one of my favorite things was to try to catch garter snakes I keep them in my pocket so, you know and, and I, I'm a middle kid I don't know maybe I was looking for attention I'm not sure but um but fear of heights is just something that I've always had this huh. you know it's um have to be like we went to, we went out to the Grand Canyon those of you have been to the Grand Canyon it was my first time you know it's it's pretty, <laughs> it's grand. Yeah. It's a really long time to be able to sneak up to the, to the railing and look over the edge. Oh, I don't know where that comes from. Yeah. 
but I, I, I think I've told you this story, but I, I was afraid of heights at one point, but then working on family farms, they said, you need to climb this 90 foot silo and go open it. So that was the best way to get over it. But I would never chase down a snake. There's no way, uh, there's no way that's going to happen yeah, whatsoever <laughs> at all, ever, ever, ever. Um, to talk a little bit, you've done work. Um, you've actually walked marathons yeah. at so, three of them. Yeah. Holy, yeah. Wow. How long did that take? Um, well, it took the 26 miles to get to the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, our best time was six and a half hours. Okay. Our worst time was probably closer to seven. Yeah. So we trained heavy, heavy and hard for those, but it was, we had, we had opportunities to join team in training to raise money for leukemia and lymphoma. Yeah. One of my sisters works at the Cancer Center at the University of Minnesota, and this yep. is her work in yep. yep. leukemia research. And so we thought, well, let's try this. And so... I come from, I'm one of seven, there's six girls and my brother, <laughs> and five of the sisters did the first one together, oh, wow. and um, we raised $30,000 for yeah. research. So yeah, it's so fun. It's pretty tremendous. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah. A lot of work went into those. It's been a long time since I did that, Yeah. You know, but um, yeah. maybe again someday, we'll see. Yeah, in a way to, way to give back, yeah, yeah for sure, was, so, uh, yeah. Well, I put you on the hot seat for a while, peppered you with a lot of questions. It's been fun, but uh, what questions, as we always do with guests, what questions do you have for me? Well, so tell us about how you're, how you're loving Scholastica. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm it, glad to have you here. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you mentioned, you know, kind of the connections with students. You know, again, you in your role, right, it pulls you in so many different directions, but like my role, like my expectation is to be around students. Mm -hmm. So I get to do that, you know, at, 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 at as, as many, as much as I can. And, um, you know, for me, I, again, what I love most about Scholastica are the people and the students. I mean, their stories, what I love uh, so much about Scholastica different than other stops that I've been uh, a couple other stops that I've been is, um, the diversity of the types of students, like it literally in the span of an hour, I can be sitting with, um, a prospective student um, who's walking by on a tour right. to a student who's a senior who's, you know, in here nervous about applying for internships or, or jobs or those kinds of things to then a student who's in a graduate program, maybe studying for a PhD, mm -hmm. like that diversity of, 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 of span of types of students and their stories is really, you know, really quite energizing, you know, that, and again, the spirit of the people here, it's not surprising you know, that, you know, through the pandemic, people just did what they needed to do for the place. I mean, that's the dedication of the, mm -hmm. of the people here. So, um, you know, again, as a leader, you don't get anything done without good people around right. you. And, yeah. you know, there's so many good people who, you know, want the best who just, again, right, as leaders, it's our job to help them, I think, see what's possible and, right. uh, and then cut them loose on mm -hmm. achieving what's possible. Right. So, but yeah, you know, I love all of that. I've been really disciplined about not exploring the greater Duluth area all that much until, you know, my wife gets up to be yeah. able to join me that we can do that and share that together. But when they have been up, we've done all, I think the typical things, grandmas and, you know, all of that that you have to do, but, um, but it'll be a fun to, it's to a, explore more. It's a great more. place to explore. And that yep. was one of the sort of the things that happened that we were looking forward to. And then the pandemic came and everything closed down. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we're still in the process of getting out to know Duluth and the region. Yeah. And really excited to be able to be back out too. We were just visited our St. Cloud campus and it was wonderful to see yeah. the folks down there. And yeah. Just great to be reengaged, but Duluth, Duluth and the region has so much to offer and there's just, there's not enough days in the week to explore right. it. So right. there's a lot in front of you. Yeah. 
I'd like to, you know, I've talked a bit about this building too, as we sit in Tower Hall and, um, you know, I originally went to school to be a high school history teacher. That's what I thought I would be a high school history teacher and a coach. Um, and then of course things, you know, change and I still a big believer in faith and, mm. you know, God places you where you belong and what you should be doing. And, mm. you know, that was kind of it. So I was still with high school students just in a different capacity, but, but what, what I, and I've talked about this on this podcast, the history and tradition in this building, like it's just number one, it's just a, a, a site to be had. There were four prospective students that were here for our graduate programs last week and um that i knew and they said wow you come you come up that hill and you know you, you can't take your eyes off of this majestic building but my my fate one of my favorite parts on campus probably my favorite part of, on campus is the stairwell outside of your office that have the divots in the steps like i just think about the number of people that walked up those steps to do the same thing that i did that you did i mean you actually did <laughs> you started off here you were you're part of those divots um, but that I get to be part of those divots now too. Yeah. That's just, that's just so cool. I mean, it's just so cool. And the history piece. So, it's just yeah. the medicine and then full circle coming back to the sisters and thinking about the legacy and history and their work in this building. They right. lived and worked in this, yeah, building, that's right. in this building. Yeah, that's right. And just listening to some of their stories and the legacy that, that they bring to the conversation. Um, I remember a sister, Mary Josephine telling me, she said, you see those, those, those brass plates on the stairwells? I said, yeah, I do. She goes, my job was to polish them weekly. <laughs> <laughs> so just listening to the stories of how the sisters cared for this building. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and we're excited because on the first floor, we're reinstating the gold parlor this yeah, year and yeah. kind of returning it to its original spot as a place of gathering mm -hmm. and was Sisters are providing the original furnishings back to that space. Mm -hmm. So, again, looking at how we can carry that legacy forward, not just in what we do, but also in some of the spaces that we can reconstruct yeah. and to have them as, as part of the history lesson. Yeah. My, my son, who's a senior in high school, when he toured, um, one of the things he always talks about, I just heard him tell this story when we were at our family, or I say, say call them family, our family, but Friendsgiving mm -hmm. um, this past week. He talked about on the tour, they talked about in the front entry area, their chairs and the, the flooring, the, the, I don't know if it's marble flooring or there's, there's indentations where the young men that would come would be swinging their feet nervously waiting for whoever they were calling upon. And he always tells that story. I'm like, I hope you remember some things about the accounting and business programs too, but not just that. But again, I think it's, you know, it, it makes me smile. Just his appreciation. I think of the history and tradition. Mm -hmm. You just think of everybody that uh, we stand on all of their shoulders, obviously. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun. Other questions? I don't think so for this afternoon. Yeah. Um, no. I just appreciate you being here and glad to join the team. Yeah. And thanks for the interview this afternoon. I didn't know what to expect. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's just a lot of fun. Like you said, just shooting the breeze about people. And I think it's funny too, as a, as a president, it's kind of like, um, uh, my wife, who's a teacher, you know, the kids that say, you know, like you, you actually like do things outside of being a president. Like, yeah. oh yeah, you're, you're a person that likes to garden and have too many Christmas CDs and everything else. It just, yeah, yeah. But just fun to get to know you. And again, I know, you know, there's many people that listen to the podcast that are, you know, um, St. Scholastica in the St. Scholastica sure. family, others that aren't. And I think I can speak for, for virtually all of them when I say we're just so appreciative of your leadership. I mean, you set the tone here with everything that we do. And um, 
you know, one would say, well, you know, nature talking to your boss, but I, whether it was my boss or not, I would have the same feelings again, just your spirit. And I think the, you know, helping us see what's possible and providing that beacon is just so important. And I've worked for, unfortunately, too many college presidents over the year. We should, we never really even talked about that. We just talked about, you know, the average tenure of a president is about six years, yeah, I think, something like that, right? So, so you, I mean, you've had longer stints than that. Let's hopefully you have longer stints here, but I mean, it's a tough job. So we just really appreciate you and, and all that you do. And, um, and yeah, there's certainly, I, I always say there's a really, really bright horizon coming out of the pandemic for Scholastica. Yeah, and, things rise up. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly that's right. That's what we'll, what we'll do. So excellent. Well, thank you for being here. That's, uh, uh, our for Tower podcast. Uh, next week, I know we're going to have members of our student government association to be the first students on the podcast. So that'll be a lot of fun catching up with them. But we appreciate you listening in and we'll catch you next time. Yeah, thanks, Nate.